everyone, I'm Jensine Bard, and welcome to Testimony, where truth is told, lives are changed, and hope is given. Revelation 12:11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, a testimony of your story for His glory. He is a master geologist with over 35 years of experience in uncovering, reporting, and assessing the state of our planet Earth, its climate, longevity, processes, and more. It's clear from his discoveries and years of investigative research that globalists and global warming alarmists are threatened by his work, has sought to ban its reach, and ignore the real truth that is documented in his groundbreaking Amazon number one best-selling Inconvenient Facts, the science that Al Gore doesn't want you to know. Ladies and gentlemen, would you welcome to testimony a long overdue, honor indeed, author and renowned geologist as well as executive director of the CO2 Coalition, Gregory Wrightstone. Gregory, welcome to Testimony. I'm really glad to be on with you and anxious. Uh, looking forward to the, to our half an hour or so together. Well, thank you. It's great to have you. Gregory, in our brief time here today, I want to address, I want you to address our listeners as if they've never heard the words, quote, climate change, global warming, CO2, and just exactly what all of this means, why we should care, and then your battle to get the truth out, debunk the false narratives with what you call, quote, inconvenient facts. Mr. Wrightstone, please tell us that story. Yeah, well, it started out, again, I'm a geologist. I've been in the working, exploring various aspects of Earth's history for 40 years, actually. Uh, and what I, this, I got into climate change. It was really a, a person, an individual search for the truth, because I I knew that some of what we're being told about climate change was just incorrect based on my scientific knowledge of geology. Uh, I suspected other things were incorrect, and I took a deep dive into this. And frankly, what I found uh, angered me. It, it was. Uh, uh, one, uh, well, I don't want to say, well, they're lies. After another, they were telling us X, and my research and the science said Y. It was um, uh, one thing after another where I would research and just debunk each one of these uh, so-called climate catastrophes that are predicted. And and it's uh, and that led to my book. Uh, and it was, uh, again, it's it's been it, as recently as last week. It was still number one bestseller on Amazon, a couple categories. So it's it's a very readable, understandable book written for non-scientists. And uh, and again, it was just a, an individual search for the truth, which led to this. And uh, we can look. We can talk about uh, these these catastrophes one after the other, and and the the climate change lies and what's being presented. Uh, we're being told. My main thesis that I came away from. Uh, from this is that the modest warming that we've seen, and we're in a warming trend, we'll talk a little bit about that. The modest warming that we've seen combined with increasing CO2 is leading to an earth that's thriving, benefiting, and prospering. 
and humanity's benefiting from that. And from a Christian perspective, that's important. Um, if indeed the earth was being led into a catastrophe, if you will, from our sins of emission of, of CO2, then as, as Christians, we should have a act on this to stop it. Well, absolutely. Now, you've had over 16,000 downloads of your inconvenient app since its creation, making available easy-to-digest answers to some of today's most thought-to-be critical questions. And yet, early on, Gregory Whitestone, your app was banned by Apple after only one month. And interestingly enough, Al Gore just happens to be on their board. Talk about that and how and why they reinstated you. Yeah, I rolled it out. I went down to Dallas, Texas, and was interviewed by Glenn Beck on his show, uh, which is a very popular show in the United States for your international listeners. And we had 16,000 downloads in the first month, and we're, we're up over 60,000 downloads now. And uh, it was a state-of-the-art app, smartphone app, best, I'm, I'm biased, of course, but I think it was the best and, and go-to app on climate change out there with all 60 of my inconvenient facts with charts and data. I've linked to original YouTube videos that I created. Uh, and Apple, a month afterwards, uh, after this run on and huge popularity of the app, uh, they removed it from the App Store. Uh, they said it lacked compelling content. Really? Really? It lacked compelling content? If you would look, if you go on your iPhone or your Android, go on your iPhone because it was Apple, and search for climate change apps, I, I, these things look like middle, failed middle school science fair projects uh, with mis, just horrible and this thing is that I had was state-of-the-art. So uh, we fought it, we fought, and I talked to my app developer, and it was, it was the lead story on Drudge the, the next day. It generates huge publicity with, uh, was on Fox News, some of the top shows, and it just generated a tide of, of uh, just tremendous publicity for the book, and it rose to, we got as high as number 10 uh, overall bestseller on Amazon. Uh, the book book sales just exploded, and uh, it, w- it led to this just tremendous interest in the book. My app developer, you'll, you'll find this interesting, he came to me and says, Greg, he says, I think I know I can get it back on. And I said, oh, no, you're not. We're going to ride this thing. <laughs> well, oh, no, 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 no. We're going to ride this this thing as far as we can and, and milk it and get, you know, for the sales. And we finally, after two months, we – uh, he, the other thing they said, not only lack compelling content, but they said it could be just as well be a web based app because if it didn't incorporate any of the uh, iPhone peculiarities or use unique use of the iPhone. So what we did, you'll find this interesting. We added, it was actually my daughter's idea. We, we used the iPhone camera. You could take a camera and have our banner that says I heart CO2 at the bottom. So you could take a picture of your loved one and it would say I heart CO2 at the bottom. And we submitted it because now we're using a unique feature of the iPhone that couldn't be done on a, on a, on a website. And, uh, and they, they ended up approving it. So we're back. Uh, it's, it's not available today uh, because we're transferring ownership over to me and turning it 100% 
free. That should all be available uh, shortly. And again, it's a powerful, powerful tool because you can't carry my book around with you, but you can have your phone in your hand with all this information. Uh, when I was traveling before COVID, uh, I used it a lot in the airports. You know, I'd sit next to somebody and you could pull it out and talk intelligently with this information that I provide. That's fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Gregory Wrightstone, author of the groundbreaking Inconvenient Facts. Gregory, you list 60 inconvenient facts that you alluded to earlier. Liberal media, left-wing Marxist propagandists don't want the American people to know. Talk about the top three, your view of the disinformation campaign that is actually hurting and not helping the American people and their families. Oh, I, I think it's probably top of the list is that we have too much carbon dioxide. That's, that's the demon molecule. That's the thing that they're trying to, to rein in. That's what's going to cost trillions of dollars uh, to get us to stop using fossil fuels. And the reason is fossil fuels, when you, when you combust fossil fuels, and just the simplest would be natural gas, when you burn natural gas, which are the only thing that's the end result is heat, carbon dioxide, and water vapor are the, are the end products. So they want you to stop using fossil fuels because you're emitting carbon dioxide. Uh, but again, I look, I look at, and, and we at the CO2 Coalition are big proponents of the many benefits of carbon dioxide. Uh, I see an Earth, again, that's thriving and prospering. Uh, we, we see that, uh, again, we're being told we have too much CO2 and we have to rein it in. But if we look, again, at geology, uh, if we look throughout Earth's history, we see that the average CO2 level was 2,600 parts per million. We're, a little, we're about 400 parts per million today. Mm-hmm. So Earth's history, we're six and a half times as much CO2 as today, and animals and plants thrived, benefited, and prospered. So actually, if you look at Earth's history, that it may be that that the uh, CO2 levels we're at today, we're actually we're CO2 impoverished. We don't have too much CO2. We don't have enough uh, because we know with CO2, there are a number of benefits that we see from CO2, like it's called the CO2 fertilization effect. You often hear that, oh, CO2 is plant food. And, the, and it is because the more CO2 that's in the atmosphere, the faster and bigger plants grow. And that's why a lot of the greenhouses uh, in America today, they're growing marijuana. And they're, they're <laughs> pumping in all these marijuana places. They're piping in CO2. I just read a, a story this morning. Beer uh, breweries are teaming up with the marijuana growers to pump the CO2 from the beer brewing process into the greenhouses where they're growing marijuana. So we've really got... So it's actually CO2 is benefiting sin, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, right. So I guess that's a bad downside. But uh, it, but again, we're, we're actually CO2 impoverished rather than CO2 uh, uh, having too much of it. And actually, it's interesting, the end of the last ice age, we've been in a long-term decline. And I know some of your listeners there are young earthers. I, I'm not. I'm a geologist. I believe in a, a very, very old earth. Uh, but in using my research on that, if we look at the last 140 million years of Earth's history, we've seen that CO2 has been in a dangerous decline from 2,500 parts per million 
at the end of the last ice age, we almost got to what I call the line of death. And the line of death is 150 parts per million. If we ever got below that, plant life would not survive. If we got there, that would be a true climate apocalypse, wouldn't it? And we nearly got there at the end of the last ice age. Uh, so we're seeing many benefits from that. And I guess the other thing is that, uh, that our temperatures are dangerously warm and getting warmer. Uh, and, and that if we don't rein in CO2 and stop the temperature rise, terrible things will happen. We'll have famine and death and sea level rise. We'll swamp the cities. Well, we can look back through human history, back to the, the rise of the first civilizations four or 5,000 years ago, mm-hmm. during the time of the Babylonians, the Assyrians, the Hittites, uh, the others in India, uh, the Han Dynasty in China. Uh, these these other warm periods, there were three of them. Uh, all of these other warm periods were correlated to the rise of great civilizations. We had the Minoan Warm Period, the Roman Warm Period, which was the time of Christ, the Medieval Warm Period, which was the High Middle Ages. All of these correlated to great rise of civilization. So there's a great correlation between the rise and fall of temperature and the rise and fall of, of civilizations, and it's just opposite of what we're being told, and you're going to hear me say that a lot. It's just the opposite of what we're being told. We're being told, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, we can't <laughs> let it get more than a degree and a half or two degrees warmer, and we're all going to die, and it's going to be terrible. That's what they're telling you, and it's, it, we can look. I can look back through human history and geologic history to times when it was warmer than it is today, and again, uh, earth and, and life and the Earth's ecosystem thrives. There was a reason the Romans wore togas, okay? It was really warm. And and it was uh, life was good. It was the cold periods that were that were horrific. Uh, each cold period got was associated with famine, pestilence, uh, mass and mass depopulation, famine, uh, mass depopulation. Each one of those. So it's just again, I'm gonna, you're, again, I'm going to say it again. It's just opposite of what we're being told. Uh, you heard me talk about those first great civilizations. Each one of them were associated with a much, much warmer time than we were today. Uh, and then they, when it started getting cold, every great civilization around the earth collapsed. And it was due to the cold and because it led to famine. And uh, and we saw the same thing after the, after the Roman warm period. And again, the time of Christ, uh, life prospered and, and food was bountiful. Uh, again, when it got cold going into the Dark Ages, and it was it was due to the cold because it was called the Dark Ages, and in the last warm period that we saw uh, during the Middle Age, it was called the Medieval Warm Period. Fantastic, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Gregory Wrightstone, author of his groundbreaking, best-selling inconvenient facts the science that Al Gore doesn't want you to know. Gregory, you mention on page 118 one of the most common myths. The melting of the northern polar ice cap leading to the extinction of polar bears as a result. Why is this absurdly untrue, and why should we be thinking, quote, Titanic in analogy? Well, there, it, it's funny. If you recall maybe 10 or 15 years ago, the polar bear was the iconic image of global warming. You don't see that anymore, and there's a pretty good reason, because it's very well documented that 
polar bears are not going extinct. Their populations are not declining. Their populations are growing and growing and growing. And it turns out, too, they always promote that, oh, the warming is melting the northern polar ice cap. And it's it's being reduced because we're in a warming trend. That is true. Uh, but it turns out that the more open water there is, the more life there is, and there's more for the polar bears to eat. Uh, actually, there was a time back in the mid-'70s, uh, Susan Crockford's one of the top polar bear experts, and she documents in her book, uh, most recent one, that during this time, of, at that time, there was huge ice expanse, and they had a decline in polar bear population because the, the polar bears couldn't get to the seal cup, to the seal pups. Uh, through the ice, there was just too much of it. Wow. And again, they couldn't get the... So actually, you might be able to say that uh, uh, the uh, simple bare necessities may not include ice, if you permit me with a little takeoff from Disney there. <laughs> okay, now, recently, over 11,000 workers in the oil industry lost their jobs overnight with the stroke of a pen an executive order by current President Joe Biden, namely the disbanding of the Keystone XL pipeline that would safely deliver crude oil from Canada to North Dakota and the United States. Your thoughts and the danger of this current administration moving us away from energy independence. Yeah, that was uh, on his first day with the stroke of a pen, he got rid of the XL pipeline and he could do that because there was one federal permit that was needed across the international border. It was going to bring 830,000 barrels of oil down from Alberta tar sands project down to Nebraska. And from there, it was going to be distributed on rail uh, to the uh, Gulf Coast for refining. And so what he did was stop that. 11,000 to 13,000 jobs on both sides of the border gone with just with a stroke of the pen. And that oil's Going to continue, it will end up in the United States, or it's it's going to be produced and it's going to be consumed. So we'll have if you believe that oil production and burning oil is, is dangerous, it's not going to do anything to stop that oil from being produced or and, and consumed. Uh, so it have no effect. What it's going to do is take away the the safest form of transportation, which is via pipeline, and. Go put it'll probably be brought south by rail on Warren Buffett's predominantly owned uh, railroad system. Now, I don't know if it being a big donor for Joe Biden will have anything to do with that on the decision. Hmm. Uh, but rail is, is a fairly safe tr transportation mode of transportation, but not nearly as safe as pipelines. And uh, so, we, we, we've got a safety concern there. Uh, and if you if you don't like CO2, I happen to. And if you look on the back of my uh, my SUV, I've got a big I Heart CO2 bumper sticker. And uh, <laughs> But if you, if you don't like CO2, this is going to increase carbon dioxide pollution, or not pollution, carbon dioxide emissions, uh, because the pipeline is going to be a net zero transportation system. Um, railroads are not. But can I say that the biggest... A bigger concern to me was this uh, action where he's going to ban leasing of new federal lands and actually ban any new permits being issued. And that's going to affect about 10% of the United States oil production comes from the Gulf of Mexico, which is entirely federal. 
and then the three states of New Mexico, Colorado, and Wyoming will be severely impacted. If this is a long-term action, there are more than 120,000 jobs at risk in those states, and most of those from uh, New Mexico. So it's it's a whole series of, of things. And the other thing is the, the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge was leased by uh, Donald Trump in the last days of his administration. It's thought to be one of the largest accumulations of undeveloped oil in North America. Uh, it's It's gone for the wow. stroke of a pen. In 2007, Al Gore was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize along with the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change for, quote, informing the world of the dangers posed by climate change, unquote. What dangers is he talking about, and is there any truth at all to any of it? Gregory Wrightstone, can you explain? Well, again, we're in a warming trend. There, it started more than 300 years ago in the depths of what was called the Little Ice Age. I, I don't, and again, in each of these previous warming trends, we've seen tremendous benefits to Earth's ecosystems and to society and humanity. And by every single metric you look at, Earth's ecosystems and humanity are benefiting and prospering. Uh, we see an Earth that's that's greening. In other words, vegetation's increasing. The NASA says that up to 50% of the Earth's surface is greening or veg, increasing vegetation. Less than 4% of the Earth's surface is browning or a loss of vegetation. That's a really good trade-off. I'll take that any day of the week. Uh, and we see the deserts. They're, they're telling us that deserts are expanding. That's just false. Deserts are shrinking. Uh, we can see things, and again, from a Christian perspective, this is a tremendous uh, thing for us. We have things like the Southern Sahara, the Sahel. We have people moving back in and living there. They haven't lived there in nearly a 1,000 years. They're planting food and crops that area of the southern Sahel is turning into a lush grassland. Other dry areas in India and China and Australia are also greening. And this is all leading to uh, more food production. We're breaking records year after year in crop growth for crop after crop after crop. And again, it's a combination of, of warming and increasing CO2. And if you think about warming, what does that do? It lengthens growing season, so you get more plantings in. Killer frosts. End earlier, earlier in the spring and begin later in the fall so you get more crops planted. Uh, the men, I see many benefits, again, from just about every aspect you look at. I'm just trying to get my bougainvillea to look beautiful once again. It was planted too late and it was too cold. And uh, thankfully, it's warm in the desert where this broadcast is taking place from. Uh, Gregory Wrightstone, in the beginning, biblically speaking, Adam and Eve were given a, quote, garden to tend and look after. What does that mean for us today? And what, as human beings on this planet, should we be doing to tend to our own gardens and planet in a prudent, realistic way? Your thoughts? Well, that leads into my, my philosophy on energy and climate and humanity. And I, it's, it's, I have a one-sentence philosophy and that is that we should use all of Earth's all of Earth's resources for the betterment of mankind, and do it as good stewards. Or, in a Christian perspective, we should use um, all of Earth's bounty or prosperity and do it as good stewards. 
and and that's that's we can do that by doing that we can lift up we can use fossil fuels to lift people up out of generational poverty uh, there are four million people around the earth that are uh, that don't have electricity they're cooking over indoor uh, indoors with wood or dried dung that leads to four million deaths a year uh, and that those are easily preventable deaths we could provide fossil fuel powered energy for those we could provide, provide propane compressed natural gas electricity uh, to those people so that they don't have to die an early death from from inhaling that from lung disease uh, leads to cataracts uh, a lot of diseases and again those are easily preventable Wow what in your view in our remaining moments here today is the real globalist and environmental agenda here and who is complicit in promoting it uh, you're asking me now you're asking me the polit- political question and I'm gonna punt on that and I'll tell you why because you are just as qualified to tell me why they're doing it what you're doing actually I think you're asking me why are they lying to us and your your listeners in Israel your listeners in in Harrisburg Pennsylvania or Phoenix Arizona each one of those people are just as qualified as I am to tell you why uh, they might tell you it's power it might be uh, they're going for the money it's funding it's uh, uh, they're anti-capitalist uh, your, your listeners might say a lot of things like that and and I I can't look into men's souls and say why they're doing it. Uh, I can, what I can do is provide the science of facts and the data that says they're not telling you the truth, and this is why. Uh, and that's that's my role in this, really. So I'm I'm going to punt on that and just say that they're it, it's it's unclear to me why they're doing it, but I can tell you it's harmful. The end results are definitely harmful. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to master geologist and groundbreaking author of Inconvenient Facts, the science that Al Gore doesn't want you to know, Gregory Wrightstone. You can learn more about Mr. Wrightstone's work, ministry, and mission by visiting inconvenientfacts.xyz. That's inconvenientfacts.xyz and get his book, Get the app and get the real, uncensored, unapologetic, and undeniable scientific truth. You will be empowered that you did, Mr. Wrightstone. Gregory, sir, thank you for taking precious time uh, to explain in layman's terms the real truth about global warming and climate change and why a man-made apocalypse driven by man-made greed my view, will never be the answer to a balanced ecological system and preservation of our planet, but God will. And the systems he put in place long ago, or as the scriptures state, and I quote, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all who live in it. Psalm 24, 1, no lack, no shortages, no worries. We thank you for your tremendous and courageous work in proving just that, removing fear, igniting faith, and giving hope for generations to come. Gregory, we thank you, and God bless you. Thank you very much. Testimony is a global broadcast made possible by the generous contributions of our valued partners at Jensen Bard Ministries and you, our listening audience. Together, we are reaching souls for Christ, one testimony at a time.
If you would like information on how you can support this broadcast with your tax-deductible gift, please visit us at jensinebard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D.com. And join the conversation at our Facebook page, Testimony with Jensine Bard. Thank you for listening, and please join us again for Testimony. Testimony.